Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 83 of the CU Insight Experience. This episode is brought to you by our friends at PSCU. As the nation's premier payments QSO, PSCU proudly supports the success of more than 1,500 credit unions. My name is Randy Smith. I'm one of the co-founders of CUInsight.com, and it is my job on the show to have conversations with the best and the brightest of the credit union community. I get to pick their brains and see if we can't find a few nuggets nuggets that we can all learn from. My guest on today's show is Brian Branch. Brian is the president and CEO of Woku. Brian and I have talked about him being on the show for quite some time. We planned on recording this episode on a Woku field engagement abroad, but well, you know, a global pandemic got in the way. Uh, So we connected through Zoom like many of us have been over the past few months. This was a great conversation about credit unions and the leadership role we can all have to, to make change here and around the world. Brian talked about the struggles that we will all feel from a global recession, but also the opportunity credit unions have by being here now for members during these difficult times and the loyalty that that will lead to after we all get through this, which which we all will. We also talked about why it isn't so important for U.S. credit unions to be a part of the global credit union community. Brian shared the leadership lessons he's learned over his 30 years at Woku and in 10 years as the CEO of that organization in the second part of the show. The myth about leadership he would like to debunk is one that I've said often and even said in this episode. So he may have changed my thinking a little bit with his answer. Let's see what you think about that. As always, we had some fun with the rapid fire questions to wrap up the show. This this conversation was a ton of fun, even if it did make me miss the experiences that only come from international travel and being on the ground with people around the world. I look forward to the time that we're moving around the, this world again, and hopefully it's soon and get out there and be a part of one of the field engagements with Brian and the Woku crew. So without further ado, I give you my conversation with Brian Branch. Enjoy. Brian, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Randy. Glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, I've, I've been looking forward to having you on. You and I have talked about this for a while, but I always assumed we would do it abroad someplace at one of the events. Uh, it's kind of interesting before this global pandemic hit that we were all experiencing. I felt like we were seeing each other quite a bit. End of last year, we were in Kenya for you know George's Acosta Congress and then saw you at a Q's event in GAC and then as we were talking before we hit record, four months of nothing, right? Groundhog Day, only Zooms. So You know, it's been a, just a tremendous irony in that, uh, as you say, I'm used to getting on a plane and being in different parts of the world and connecting intensely while there and haven't been able to do that. A little <laughs> disorienting, to be honest with you. But uh, very ironic that how the world has pulled even more closely together in this period of time because... When we do talk to each other across borders and across the world, the first questions are, is everybody well? How's your family doing? How are you guys coping? Great sense of connectedness, community, and frankly, the time zones no longer matter. You know, we're Zooming, we're connecting, we're doing virtual meetings at all hours of the day and the night, um, and everyone's just very thirsty to talk to each other. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. I've even heard people talk about a little bit of Zoom fatigue, right? Because, uh, right. and it brings up an interesting thing. You you work with folks all over the world, right? And that, that global community, with all of us being at home, it, sometimes it's tough to turn off the office a little bit. Like you said, you could be on a 
call 12 hours, you know, with somebody in the Philippines, it's 12 hours, you know, the, the middle of the night for you. So it's a, it's an interesting time that we live in for sure. Uh, you know, one of the things I'd first like to start with is just this idea. I am a huge fan of Woku. I, I love what you guys do and I love the stories. Any success stories that you'd like to share recently from the, the global community? Well, you know, there's, I'd share a couple if you don't mind. I mean, one is about the difference that our global community makes, our credit union community makes at the community level for people who are at the bottom of the pyramid. Yeah. And we've done a lot of work over the last couple of years with refugees around the world. I mean, we have about 70 million refugees now, people displaced from their homes. And very often, communities turn to credit unions to have credit unions find solutions so that people don't have to leave their homes. Or as people are coming into new areas, those areas turn to their credit unions to find ways to integrate the incoming refugees. And so we've started up a new program that we started developing towards the end of last year. And we've launched this year working in Peru and Ecuador with Peruvian Ecuador credit unions who are helping uh, refugees that come from Venezuela, which is just imploding, coming apart. And these people come in and they have very limited resources and assets. And in a time of the COVID impact, uh, epidemic, they are the hardest hit. And so Cretans have stepped up and we've gotten some uh, support to work with these Cretans to help these people integrate into the Peruvian and the Ecuadorian economies, because in the long run, that provides more, more stable communities yeah. and economically and politically. And then the other you know, success story that I would point out, it's in Poland. And, you know, we have a long history in Poland. We worked with Lech back at the time of the fall of the Iron Curtain, building a creating system there. And they really took to heart our, our challenge 2025 about digitization of the global creating system because they saw in this time of pandemic, people want to feel safe. And when they're in crowded banking halls or when they're doing face-to-face -face transactions and passing cash back and forth, then they feel less safe than doing digital transactions. And so they've really upped their game. I'm glad you brought that up. I know last year when I heard you speak, it was a lot about that, you know, the digitalization 2025 plan. And I'm like, that sure was timely, <laughs> right? Like even and we've seen sure. a lot of credit unions push that have to push that forward, you know, making those changes over the past few months. So it, it's, I'm glad you brought that up. It's so interesting. You know, there's something when you mentioned Peru and Ecuador, one of the things that I've even been noticing here, it, it, it's something that Jill and I were just recently talking about was it's kind of funny who the essential workers are that we're now seeing, right? Like they tend to be like when you were talking about the people coming from you know, Venezuela and not having much on a global scale, we're also seeing that in the U.S. as the people that either had to work, they weren't the ones who necessarily were the high earners, and then also the folks that have lost their jobs or, you know, have been yeah. displaced during this. I, I think we've seen that across the globe, and it's such a, to me, it seems like it's such an amazing opportunity for credit unions to, to be part of that solution, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I've, frankly, you and I are very privileged in that we get to work at home. Absolutely. And my heart goes out to all those people who don't have that option yeah. or they lose their work. And very often, these are the people that are turning to great unions to, to help them get through this crisis. And, you know, we're on the line talking to great union systems all over the world about this. You know, we talk about the, the, the waves that come with this kind of crisis. There's the health crisis. Then there's the great union financial impact 
crisis. And then there's the global recession wave. Yeah. And, you know, what I keep telling all of our colleagues is we've seen these crises at a national level. We've seen them at a regional level over and over again. And what we always see is that because it's instinctive on the part of the credit unions to help their members get through these crises, that generates a tremendous sense of loyalty from the members. And the return will be, as we come, as we get through this recession, will be a tremendous membership growth and savings growth. And we expect to have a, a very large resurgence of creating systems and tremendous growth around the world. The challenge, though, with that will be people are not going to go back to doing business the way that they used to do it. They're going to want those digital channels. So that brings me the next two questions I had written down before, and I think I can put them together here is, and it goes right into that. Number one, I was going to ask you, how has it changed the way, like you mentioned earlier, you know, you were on airplanes more than you were probably at, you know, on the ground before, how has it changed the way that Woku is engaging with credit unions? And on the flip side, going back to that digital experience, how, how do you view the kind of that future of the way that members engage with the credit unions all over the world? Well, so the first question is about you know, the work that we do at the, at the World Council. And, you know, we're talking about this all the time. We can't get on a plane. Yep. And, and if we were to land in some country right now, they would quarantine us for two weeks if they would let us in. <laughs> right, and yep. so, and yet everyone is very anxious for contact with the outside world and um, engagement. So we have to do so much virtually. And it started out uh, with a tremendous bang uh, back in March. And so everyone wanted to talk to each other. So we, it was just natural for us to provide those forums to engage creating systems across regions to talk about the impact and how they were dealing with it and to talk about their challenges with the regulators and how to deal with the regulators and the policymakers, how to uh, protect the credit unions through this and now we've moved more to how do we provide training, technical assistance virtually? Yeah. So if our folks can't get on a plane and be there, how do we do that over the virtual communication means? And there's a great abilities in terms of technology today. And there's a, in systems that reach across borders. And so um, very effective ways to manage our ongoing programs. The challenge is sometimes is about how do you provide technical assistance and training locally? So yeah. developing the content that you can deliver through these channels is an ongoing challenge. But, you know, the great advantage we have is that we are a global system. And so we have, uh, you know, we have tremendous, well-qualified people in our, in our offices and our programs overseas that are on the ground and they can provide that support. We have members member organizations in these countries. I talked about Peru and Ecuador. Yep. We have member organizations that are there and they can uh, carry out these programs, even if we can't be there. And then we also have anchors. You know, in each region, we have a strong progressive member where we have a strategic partner that they can help lead some of these charges, such as the digitization charge. So it sounds like, I mean, the, the system you had in place has allowed you to just 
keep moving forward in this time when uh, we, we kind of all need each other most, right? So Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, a question that I've asked other folks when they've been on the show who, you know, have worked more on the international, you know, development side, whether it was when, I mean, George was on the show or Lois or, you know, I had Bill Cheney on when we were in Kenya and stuff like that. It, it, the question is that I, I love to ask is why do you feel it's so important for us credit unions to be involved with woku and have that global exposure like if I, i've often heard from people that ask me and i've talked to a lot of credit union folks who do it where it's like I'm thinking of so many different people who have said to me what i bring back is way more than i give <laughs> right like i mean just like what i bring back to my credit union in my community you run the organization that represents kind of the, the world of credit unions why is it important for us folks to be involved yeah, you know, and that's a challenging question we get all the time. And I think there are several answers to that. Um, at an abstract level, in the U.S. credit union system very often is seen as the leader around the world in, in the credit union system. And so other countries look to the U.S. credit unions to see what they're doing, how they're dealing with, with challenges. And I think that leadership role is an important one. And I think that we lead a community of shared values. And in this time of crisis, it, it just is so apparent to me. Uh, we have a health crisis that is caused because the world is so small now. The world is so connected. And it has an impact that reaches many other countries and ourselves. And what I find over and over again is that the communities in all these various countries go back and look to their cranes for solutions. And the cranes look to the U.S. for suggestions on how they respond to their community. So I think that leadership role is really important. And you mentioned, you know, people come back enthused by what they bring back. And what I've heard from so many of our peers that have traveled overseas with us and, and work with overseas with us is that when their staff go and participate in these programs overseas, and it's not always about travel. Sometimes it's about receiving visitors. Yep. They are so much more motivated and committed to the credit union, the, the individual credit union where they work, or the credit union system and yep. the credit union ideals. So it's a, it's a wonderful professional development and staff retention strategy. Oh, I agree completely. I cannot wait to be out there doing more. So uh, <laughs> the last question in this section, and I know this is a tough one, but if you were to break out the crystal ball, we're sitting down a year from now, what are you most proud that you and your colleagues at Woku have accomplished? We're talking a year from now. One year from now. I mean, I know so, it's hard to even tell what's going to go on two months from now yeah, or two weeks. But what I, what I want to be and what I expect to be proud about is how we help credit unions get through the, the recession that's coming. Yep. You know, the credit unions... You know, you, you look at what cranes have done. They have restructured their loans to help their members. That means reduced loan income. They have dealt with the regulatory restrictions of holidays on loan payments. That's going to impact their income. They've had members who have lost their jobs, haven't been able to pay their loans. So they're, they're going to have delinquency. So it's going to be an impact on their balance sheet, their income. They've got a recession coming, economies have shut down, small businesses have failed, people have lost their jobs. That's going to have an impact on credit unions. And again, you know, what I'm going to be really proud about a year from now is how credit unions not only got through that crisis, but they used that crisis to really excel and help survive, help not just survive, but help their communities be sustainable and grow. 
I, I agree. I, I think there's there is such an opportunity because you mentioned it earlier that loyalty that comes when somebody is there for you in your time of need. I think credit unions just have, like I said, an amazing opportunity here to move on to the second part of the show. It's all about the leadership. Uh, first off, I've asked everybody who comes on the show, what inspired you to take the gig as president and CEO of Woku? You know, I've been with the World Council for thirty years, and I've seen the world turn over many times. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going in my 10th year now as CEO. Yep. And, you know, I felt that there were some significant challenges out there that we had to step up to. And I, I wanted to take a leadership role in helping to respond to those challenges for the international creating system and help pull the system together. And I've enjoyed that. It's, it's a tremendous challenge. It's, it's very consuming at times. And uh, sometimes, you know, we have we don't have the success we want, but then we have a big success and, and we're all in again. <laughs> That's good stuff. Has Since you became the CEO a decade ago, has the inspiration changed at all? The inspiration, no, I would not say the inspiration has changed. I mean, the inspiration is about living our values and making a difference in people's lives. And, you know, sometimes it's people at the bottom of the pyramid, it's poor people. Sometimes it's just good, you know, working people, people on the street. But uh, seeing the impact that Creighton's make in people's lives through periods of crisis or challenge or opportunity uh, is what keeps me inspired. Is there something that your colleagues have heard you say so many times that they can finish your sentence? It will make a difference. You know, we, we, can, we can get very busy putting out fires. We can get focused on carrying out processes, you know, and, and, and all of that's important. But, you know, very often we can become very diffuse doing too many things. And I always try to bring it back to, is this something that's going to make a difference? That's the bottom line. I love that. You know, I I thought about this a lot recently. People have had to make a lot of quick decisions. (laughs) Things have changed very quickly. So as a leader, we often have to make those decisions. At the end, sometimes, you know, the you like to bring the whole team along, but the buck kind of stops with you, right? Like as the CEO, it's kind of that idea. Sometimes it's lonely at the top. You work with a lot of leaders from around the world, lead an organization yourself. Have you always had that ability to make the tough decision, the one that might not be popular short term, but for the greater good? Or is that something that you had to cultivate in yourself over time? Uh, You know, I think that was something I had to cultivate very early on. And, you know, there's, there's nothing as instructive as not making a decision and then seeing how it hurt other people. Yeah. So, you know, if you're not going to make a decision because you don't want to make a call that hurts someone or, or it's uncomfortable, and then you see how it, it hurts a number of people who didn't deserve that, then that's a, that's a pretty quick lesson to learn. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you said, you know, it's lonely at the top. And, you know, one of the questions you asked me earlier uh, was, you know, what's a common myth about being a leader that you want to debunk? Yeah. And that's the one. I don't, you know, I don't think it is lonely at the top. Okay. Yeah. I think, you, you know, there's a structure, there's a formality at the top, but I, mean, I think one of the great opportunities about being at the top is pulling people together. Yeah. It kind of brings me to another spot that I would like to ask. I like you have this, uh, what I would assume is a pretty amazing network across the world. Um, and, you know, something that I've been thinking a lot about kind of ties into something you mentioned earlier was that connection that we're all kind of, looking for at this point, whether it's, you know, most of it's virtually at this, you know, through the digital channels, but has mentoring played a big role, whether like, did you have mentors that have helped you get to where you are, or, you know, working with other folks, you know, around the world to mentor them? 
that network that you also have, how has that, I guess, uh, benefited your career? Uh, you know, I think I've had lots of uh, great role models and, and examples and, you know, of, of varying degrees of intensity. And just as I've had great models for what to do, I've also had lots of great models for what not to do. Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, I would thank a lot of people for, for that. Yeah. If there's somebody that's out there, I guess, and I wanted to throw this out and I didn't send you this one over, but if people out there want to be more involved in the global credit union community, what's the first step they should take? You know, I'd suggest, you know, get a hold of us, contact us. You know, we're easy to find. Woku, W-O-C-C-U dot org, or write to me myself, B Branch, B is in boy, branches in a tree, at woku.org. Especially in this day, it doesn't mean you have to get on a plane right away and, and travel somewhere. Like, there's lots of virtual opportunities for, for engagement and lots of things that we can do around the world. That is true. I wanted to make sure I got that in there. Uh, back to some of the, the leadership questions, though. When you think back to earlier in your career, is there a mistake that you made or, you know, again, you work with a lot of different leaders that you see young leaders make often? You know, I think, you know, when I look at mistakes I've made, it's a, it, very often it's about not looking far enough ahead. Okay. Not thinking two or three steps down the road in terms of what kinds of risks are out there and what do we need to mitigate them or, uh, what's going to be the further down the road uh, impact or reaction to this. Along with that goes the notion that when you see a problem, you need to find a solution. How are you going to mitigate that? You can't not address that. Absolutely. Has there been a piece of advice or a life lesson that you receive that you find yourself going back to often in your career? As uh, cliche as it sounds, it's for me, it's always a golden rule. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. So I, I was so interested to ask you this question. What is the, and this has changed so much in the past couple of months here, but what does the typical workday look like for you today? And what is the perfect Brian Branch workday? Okay. So the typical day today <laughs> is not the typical day four months ago or last year. I mean, it's, I uh, get up in the morning, I have my coffee, little quiet time, relax. And then it's it's just a deep dive into virtual connections. It's you know I I often refer to these as phone calls, but they're not phone calls anymore. It's you know it's web based connections uh, with video or without video, and it's about this is what's happening in our country. Uh, what are you seeing other countries do? Well, let's connect you with this country, and we're looking at uh, this this kind of approach. What do you think? And um, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? You know, you should talk to. You know, this group over here has already done it. And uh, so I found that I had to discipline myself and actually get up and leave the desk and take a break and do something, get some fresh air. Yeah. And then I'm back at it again. So your other question was, what's (laughs) What's the perfect day? What's the perfect day? Your perfect work day. Back out in the field, yeah. back out in the field, working with, with people and create units in their communities. So there was a question that I was excited to ask you. And, you know, when you were talking about you've been at Woku now for 30 years, the CEO for 10, is there a moment that you flash back to where you're just like, yeah, we, we crushed that, you know, like still to this day brings a smile to your face like that big win? Oh, interesting. <laughs> um so my, my early work in the World Council started in Latin America, and it was okay. a time of civil war in Central America. 
And it was a time when the credit union model was very traditional model, something like what we had in the United States, maybe, gosh, I'm dating myself. Um, well, even before me, you know, I'd, I'd say probably 50, 80 years ago. Yeah. And just common sense suggested, well, let's move to a different model. And in Latin America, it was a huge success. And we saw credit unions move to a more market-based, savings-driven-based, community outreach-based. And there was tremendous growth uh, on, on the part of the credit unions in, in Latin America. And it was a model uh, that we could then take to other parts of the world. We took it to Africa. We took it to Europe. Uh, we took it to Asia. And uh, it, it, it really revolutionized the um, the international credit union model uh, for a number of years. So now, you know, the world's changed two or three times since then, <laughs> Right, uh, but it was a great foundation to start from. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, before we let, you know, move on to the last part of the show, if you have a free day, nothing on the calendar, what passions do you have outside of credit unions? You know, you, you mentioned having to step away from the desk from time to time. What do you, what do you do to recharge? Outdoors, water sports, kayaking, you know, I enjoy uh, going to the lake when swimming, hiking, and um, my wife and I do a lot of outdoor bicycling and uh, walking in the woods. Getting outside in the woods. I'm with you there. Last part of the show, the rapid fire questions. The, the questions are rapid. Your answers do not have to be. So what was, what was Brian like in high school? And do you remember the first time you got into memorable trouble? <laughs> High school. When I think of high school, I think of basketball. Okay. Uh, getting in trouble. I had, uh, sometimes it was a little hard for me to follow the rules. I want to follow my own path. Got off the reservation. So sometimes, yeah, that got me into a little trouble. Of course, <laughs> that, that set me off around the world. So there was, there's a bright side to that. that. When I was in high school, I went on an exchange program to Mexico and, you know, and I was just fascinated and intrigued with what I learned and experienced there. And, gone through several passports since then i was gonna say so it, it was that what sparked the travel was the exchange program or did you were, had you traveled as a that family before that that was the beginning that was yeah. the beginning that's that's fantastic my experience started later in life i wish it started earlier but hey it's never too late uh, most of us stumbled into you know careers in credit unions in one way or another when when you were younger what do you want to be when you grew up <laughs> Interesting question. I wanted to be a paleontologist. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, moved on from that. Then you moved on from there. Do you have any daily routines that you just have to do, uh, you know, or your day just feels off? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I mentioned, you know, I'd, I'd like to start with a, you know, quite a cup of coffee and uh, um, I enjoy being outdoors. And so making sure that I take time to, to spend get some fresh air and, and be in some greenery. Yep. I'm again with you there. I need to have my coffee in front of me right now. So the, the random question, what's the best album of all time? That one you can listen to without skipping a song. Well, that sure dates us, <laughs> uh, you know, those LP albums. Yep. Um, yeah, I say Rolling Stones, Sticky Fingers. There you go. I think the, the Stones have been mentioned a few times on the show. So uh, I'm a reader. Jill and I have stacks of books all over the house, quite honestly. Many of them were recommended by people on the show. Is there a book that you've either gifted others or like that book that you just think or a few books that you think everybody should read? The book I've been going back to for 40 years is The Way of Lao Tzu, the Tao Te Ching. 
And yes, I have abused many of my friends by pressing a copy of that upon them. <laughs> That's beautiful. I'm gonna, that'll be added to the list and I'm sure uh, others will pick it up. So as you've gotten older, what's become more important to you? And my favorite part of this question, what's become less important? Older, more important. Certainly <laughs> time, you know, time with my family. So I spent a lot of time on the road traveling and missed a lot of time with my family earlier. And uh, so this COVID-19 thing has been a great opportunity for, I wouldn't say reacquaintance, but having significant time together. Yeah. Um, and you say, what's less important? What's become less important over the years? Less important is ooh, bureaucracy, doing things that have less impact. Now, certainly, we've got to do the prudential things, and I'm a stickler for you know, let's make sure we have good policies and follow good policies and mitigate our risks. But let's really question the value of what we get out of what we put our time into. Yeah, absolutely. We've had that conversation quite a bit recently as you only have so much time and resource. So where, where are you going to get the biggest impact out of? So there, there's a question that I didn't send you. When you hear the word success, mm-hmm. who's the first person that comes to mind? Who is the first person <laughs> that comes to mind? Gandhi, uh, Martin Luther King. Yep, that's good. Uh, Brian, again, thanks so much for being on the show and taking the time today. I I look forward to doing another one of these when we can meet up someplace else in the world instead of over Zoom. But the last question that I have for you is, do you have any final asks or final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I go back to your question of... You know, why Why should people in the U.S. care about Ukrainians internationally? And, you know, I think we should care more now than ever before. And the kinds of challenges that we have seen over the last four months, including social justice challenges, are not just U.S. challenges and not just challenges in our local communities. They're worldwide challenges. And uh, we get a tremendous amount of communication traffic from people around the world saying we're dealing with the same problem. And uh, we'd like to connect with you folks in the U.S. who are dealing with this challenge and, and, and find ways to, to deal with this. And together, we can really have more impact than each of us working on this uh, by ourselves. That is a beautiful way to end the show. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, we will link to everything we talked about today in the show notes. If people, you, you mentioned the email earlier, is that the best way for people to get a hold of you if they have additional questions? LinkedIn, the Twitter machine, what's your, your preferred uh, sure. preference? Sure. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I assume people only can remember so many things. So there are other people I can connect them with rather than giving lots of other people uh, as contacts in this moment. And also go to our our website, and there are lots of ways to connect with us there as well at www.occu.org. We will link to all of that in the show notes. Thank you again, Brian. Uh, please stay healthy, my friend, and I hope you have an amazing day. You too, Randy. And uh, we'll connect sometime somewhere else around the world. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Thank you, sir. Before we go, I want to give a huge thank you to all of you for listening. We could not do this without your uh, support and just how many of you listen so often to to the episodes on this show. So thank you, thank you, thank you again. And once again, a big thank you to Brian for taking time out of his busy schedule with all the Zooms he's doing all over the world at any hour of the day to take some time with us and share his experiences. I, I, I know we will all benefit from this. And a big thank you 
you to our sponsors, PSCU. Our friends at PSCU have been longtime partners of ours and supporters of CU Insight. So please make sure to click on the links in the show notes, give them some love, see everything they have going on to help the credit union community. Also, remember, we're on all the podcast players out there. Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're on it. Uh, we would greatly appreciate if you subscribe, leave us a five-star review, maybe even a or five-star rating, even a review on the old Apple podcast machine. It, it really does help us with the visibility of the show. Uh, if you don't think we're worth the five stars, just feel free to shoot me an email. Let me know how uh, we can improve. And don't forget about the CU Insight Experience podcast book list. Need some... Uh, stimulation for the old mind while we're still all social distancing we've got you covered get your next book recommendation from the guests on our show thank you all again for listening i hope you have an amazing day and please stay healthy friends 